The book of Ephesians chapter 5, I want to continue talking about the resident or president for just a few minutes tonight. And uh, if you can stand, will you stand for the reading of the Word of God? Ephesians chapter 5. Let's begin in verse 18 and read down through verses after that. When you read verse 18 about being filled with the Holy Spirit, then he gives some results of what it's going to be like when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's probably an old me, it's oh my, what a wonderful thought. And then oh me, when you get down to verse 19 and start reading some of the things we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to act. Verse 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Do you believe everybody ought to sing? What the Bible says. Giving thanks always. You believe folks ought to thank God always? For what? All things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Wives, I got stuck right there. Let me move on. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Then he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, but gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. May God add his blessings to the reading of the word of God. Father, bless we pray the scriptures. If nothing else is said, we read the Holy Scriptures tonight. And I pray, Lord, there be a blessing to all of our lives. Help us, Lord, to apply what we need to apply. Help us to move up closer to you. Help us to have the realization that you reside in us, but do you preside in us? It's one thing to be the resident. It's another thing for you to be the president. And, Lord, you come to live in our life. We talked about it already, that relationship between the Holy Spirit and individual at the new birth, being born again, we talked about last week. So make us a blessing tonight. Help us to make application to our life. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. Maybe may be seated. Point number one last week, I talked about what is the real relationship of the Holy Spirit to every believer. We talked about every believer is to be born of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Every believer has had an experience when he got saved. It's called born again. That means he had a new birth. I was born May the 17th, 1946, upstairs in my grandmother's bedroom. I was conceived nine months earlier. But I entered this world May the 17th, 1946, and I'm grateful for my first birth. I don't remember a whole lot about it. As a matter of fact, I don't remember nothing about it. That's what they told me. So on my birth certificate, that's when I got born the first time. And I got born again about when I was nine years old. Now, I don't have a birth certificate here. I wish I would wrote it down somewhere, the date and the time. Many folks do that, but not everybody does that. Some folks don't think about it, and nobody told me to write it down. It'd been great to go back and look at the day on a calendar that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. How many of you can do that? You can look at a calendar date. Okay, some of you can, some of you can't. Because a lot of times we don't, we don't our memory lapses and we don't remember the actual date and time. But since I didn't remember my first birth, that doesn't mean I wasn't born. born. Now look at me, I was born. I was born the first time. I weighed eight pounds and three ounces, curly black hair, I was the best-looking child my mother, mother had ever had. At least I think so, but I don't think the rest of them agree with that. But I was born the first time. But I was born the second time. He said, how do you know? I got a birth certificate. 
my name had been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, the Bible says. And it's, Jesus said, you must be born again, John chapter 3. Was that found out about being born again? John chapter what? John chapter 3. And who did he tell had to be born again? Who was the guy? Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes searching and looking for answers that night. And they had a conversation. And I believe Nicodemus got saved. I believe he shows up at the cross eventually. But remember, all of those uh, that have been saved down through the years have had to have a birth, second birth, a new nature. That's when a new nature enters into us, a new DNA, when the Holy Ghost of God comes to live on the inside of our bodies. Now, there's sometimes I feel good. We talked about it last week. Sometimes I don't feel so good. Sometimes God seems like he's a million miles away. Sometimes God seems like he's right next to me. And reality is he's there all the time. He dwells in my body. I can't go anywhere God don't go. Everywhere I go, I carry God. And yet the fact is sometimes we wonder, where's God at? He's the same place he's always been. When he comes to live on resident, he took up resident. Now, he didn't barge in. He didn't, he didn't declare squatter's rights. You let him in. You said, welcome, Lord Jesus, into my life. And he came to live on the inside of your body so that you and I can be equipped and enabled and energized to live the Christian life. I cannot, I never have been able to live the Christian life. I can't do it. It's impossible. I go back to one of those impossible things. It's impossible for you to live the Christian life apart from the Holy Ghost of God helping you. It won't happen. You can try in the flesh. You can, try, you can do all the things religiously. You can sing. You can preach. You can teach. You can witness. You can pass out tracts. You can pray. You can read your Bible. You can do all that religiously. But there has to be a recognition that you're talking to your Heavenly Father and that you've been birthed in the family of God. And I, My dad was a preacher. Most of you know that. And he died when he was 57. Uh, but Dad and I were fairly close, especially in those latter days uh, after I answered the call to preach and I traveled with him when he went to revivals and so forth. And uh, Dad and I talked about a lot of things. Uh, but uh, it was just good to be able to talk to Dad. Now, if you go to my office, you'll see a picture of my dad over on that far side. I was t talking to Brother Preacher this morning, Brother Brad, and I was showing him a picture of my dad and my mom and so forth. And I said, I show it to you because I'm just proud of my dad and mom. I don't want to ever forget what they've done for me. So we keep pictures around to remind us of the children, the grandchildren, mom and dad and so forth. But dad was very precious to me and he gave me a lot of advice. I told, I told him today, Preacher Brad, I went to Bible college in 1965. I graduated high school in 1964 and went to college. I did not go to college because I thought it was the will of God. I went to college because my daddy told me to. He didn't make me. He just said, James, you need to go to Bible college. The world's changing. Things are not like they used to be. Try to get a good, good Bible education. Well, I went to Nashville, Tennessee, to Bible college, and lo and behold, I picked up a wife while I was there. So that was bound to be in the will of God. Right, Nancy? It's bound to be in the will of God. Just want to be sure. And when she begged me to marry her, I couldn't already wait to get married after I said, I do. But the fact is, I had a relationship with God the Father, and then I found brothers and sisters in Christ before I went. I found brothers and sisters, found moms and dads spiritually. I've been thank God for older women and men in the church who've been such an encouragement to young people over the years. Always be an encouragement to young people. You say, well, I don't like the way they're doing it. They probably didn't like the way you used to do when you was young. But you can be an encouragement to them and, and smile and encourage them in the most holy faith. Uh, our church is aging, you know that, and getting older, and we need more young people. You say, well, if you was a better preacher, maybe you'd have more young people. That could be very well true. 
But we need to have young people coming to our church. And it's an epidemic. We had two churches in town closed, I think, this week that had, had nobody there. So they just they sold it to another church, and one of them not too far from us. They just sold the property and everything there was because they could not keep it going. That's a sad reality. When those churches used to be booming churches and filled a capacity just about years ago, but things have changed, and things do change. If you go to England, you go to some of the European countries where it used to be some of the most thriving church in the world, they're mausoleums or they're museums today. They're not churches. But the very few of the, of the great churches of yesterday are in existence today. And much of what we've got today come out of Europe, come out of Ireland, come out of Scotland, come out of Australia and other countries. And right now in Australia, there is a theme song or a theme they're shouting, let's kill all Christians. Let's kill all Christians. That was, never was like that years ago. Some of the greatest preachers ever heard have come out of Australia with that Australian accent. Some of the greatest preachers I've ever heard have come out of England. And I, most of them, the library I have, I probably got on hundreds of books that are written by English preachers. But it's hard to find a good fundamental church in England today. You got a sermon called with the day when the lights went out. When the lights went out, and why did the lights go out? Somebody dropped the ball. And we're going to drop the ball if we don't stay faithful and fervent in God's will. You say, what can I do? You need to do all you can do. You can pray in all God's people's head. He's a preacher, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And don't, under, and don't underestimate the power of prayer. The power of prayer. I think what happened to us, and what does happen to us, we pray and we don't see the answers come, and we just sort of don't pray like we used to. And I read years ago, and it sort of stuck with me, what you really want from God, you keep on praying week in, week out, year in, year out. You just keep on praying for it. You say, why don't God answer? I don't know. I can't answer the question why God has not answered your prayer or my prayer, but I need to keep on praying and praying because he told me to. And some prayers are not answered after you die. Some prayers are not answered immediately. Some prayers are answered uh, over a long period of time. Some may be answered immediately, but very few of them. And then you begin to question God. Young people, I think, have grown up, and the preacher said it this morning, they've grown up in our churches. They know the language. They knew everything. But they, they begin to ask things from God that didn't come to pass. It didn't work out. Life went in disarray. They never got, never got what they wanted. And that's the problem. Because they didn't want what they wanted. And because God didn't give them what they wanted, they thought God wasn't fair. And the, the phrase we hear over and over again, if you go on visitation at all, and I've already used it before, and I think most of our guys have heard it on soul winning, I'm good. Now, I don't know what they mean by that. But, hey, Darren, you've heard it, haven't you? Brandon, I, I'm good. Larry, I'm good. If you died right now, would you go to heaven? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You ever go to church regularly anywhere? Well, I'm good. <laughs> and my flesh wants to say, you're a sorry, low-down, good-for-nothing scallywag. You're not good at all. And somewhere you got to get that in there with some love and compassion. There's none good, no, not one. And even after you're saved, it's not you being good, it's God being good in you. The goodness of God, feel the Holy Spirit, produces that on the inside. It makes us good to be able to reach out and touch the lives of other folks. And may God help us tonight. So the relationship of the Holy Spirit to us at the very beginning is the new birth of being born again, John chapter 3. Number two, what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? What is the, what is the Holy Spirit when it happens? What, is, what is, does it mean? What's the definition? A child of God, what has he done that he can say, I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit? Now I said last week, being filled is what they call a linear action verb. It means to be continuous, not filled past tense, but continual action. It says, and be not drunk with wine, whereas it says, but be filled with the Spirit. That's not a one-time event. 
Now, salvation is a one-time event as far as being saved, being birthed in the family. You can only be birthed one time. But birth is just the process that gets you to the final destination. And that destination, of course, is heaven and residing with God forever. But we're to be able to be filled, controlled by, mastered by the Holy Spirit. And that happens when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. I always remember Jesus knocking on the door of, in the book of Revelation. He was, knocking, he was on the outside knocking on the door, and it was not the door of the unsaved. There may be an unsaved in the church. He's knocking on the door of the church. He's trying to get into his own church. And the doorknob's on the inside. And we've got to open it to him. He comes in, and the day we ask Christ to save us, wherever it was, whenever it was, however it was, can't explain it all together, but there was a time in my life when I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. It became more crystallized and more real to me as I got older. You know, as a child, I didn't understand, and I've said before, I didn't understand a lot of things about the Bible as a child. I should have, but I, I, didn't have, I couldn't give you a definition of justification. I couldn't give you a definition of sanctification. I couldn't give you a definition of atonement. I couldn't give you a definition of uh, propitiation and all the words in the Bible, doctrinal words. But I don't have to know that to be saved. But if I get saved, I'll know what, I need to know what those words mean. And as you grow, even physically and spiritually, you ought to get to where you know those words. So if you were asked tonight, what is the definition of propitiation? What would you say? Now, we may have failed to teach it to where folks didn't get it. That's a possibility. And it always, you know, sometimes goes back to the teacher not doing his job effectively. But the fact is we need to learn Bible terminology. Bible doctrine, all the way through Paul's writing to Timothy, he mentioned doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Somebody says, well, I don't teach doctrine. What do you teach? I mean, doctrine is simply the teachings of God, teaching people how to live right, do right. So we're taught by Paul to the church at Ephesus, I don't want you to get drunk with wine. That's ridiculous, and that's going to affect you. But if you're going to have something to affect you, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The contrast to that being drunk is being filled with the Holy Spirit. For drunkenness makes you bad and do stupid things, the Holy Spirit will help you do good and do good things. You say, well, I can't live the Christian life. Good. I can't do it. Then you put in there, I can do all things through Christ. Which what? Strength of me. What was it found at? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Period. Case settled. So when I fail and falter, it's not because God failed or faltered. I may have grieved him. I may resist him. I may not want to do what he's telling me to do. And I sort of push him to the side part of my heart. So here's what it is. The child of God opens up every room in his house to the spirit. I'm a house. I've got different compartments of my, my being. But I can keep some of that for myself and leave God out of it. And I'll talk, talk about it in just a moment. It's, it is as though you say to God, make yourself at home. Now, if you come to our house tonight and out in the country, you're welcome to come anytime as long as you bring food. And uh, but we're glad to have you. But I'm sure Nancy will say, come on in, make yourself at home. I'll probably look at you for a while and be sure I want you to make yourself at home. But I would probably say the same thing. Can you sit down and rest a while? Just sit and just, just talk a while. Make yourself at home. What's that mean? Make yourself at home. Well, you go over in the living room and you sit on the couch. But that's not the full meaning of make yourself at home. Jane, if I come to your house, I'm going to the refrigerator. Okay, you understand? You see, I make myself at home, right? So I could go in the refrigerator. You say, no, I'm supposed to be in the refrigerator. Well, don't say make yourself at home because at home, I go to the refrigerator and get my peanut butter, not peanut butter, but jelly. And I get that and eat a sandwich. And you say, well, you, you don't understand, preacher. Make yourself at home just sort of sitting around in the living room and chit-chatting. 
Well, I understand what we're doing. But when I talk to the Holy Spirit, who is God, who is the creator of the world, who is the one who comes to live inside of us, he who is greater than all the world, omnipresent, everywhere at the same time, omnipotent, all-powerful, he's omniscient, knows everything, the great <coughs> creator of the world comes to live on the inside of our body. And all God's people said, but is he at home? Is he the resident or just a, is he the president or the resident? He's just reside there. Well, how do you know? Well, he gives instructions in Ephesians 5, as well as other places in the Bible, about how you're supposed to live when you feel the Holy Spirit. The greatest sign that you feel the Holy Spirit, but ye that shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and in the most parts of the world. I mean, if you feel the Holy Spirit, you've got to talk about him. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you won't talk about it. What's on the inside is going to come on the outside. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. And as a man, what a man is in his heart is going to come out eventually. If you never talk about Jesus, something's wrong. Now, we may have to learn a few things. Maybe be a little shy backward. But you've got to learn how to talk to people. If nothing else, the best way to start witness to people is to get you a track. This one says, God loves you. No, I love this track. There's a number out there I use, but I like this one. And it just gives a brief plan of salvation, gives the address, the church, so forth on the back. But uh, let me give you something to read. It tells you God, I just want you to know God loves you. Take that and read it. Now, if, if you're not in a hurry, you could go ahead and explain it to them. But there's no reason why the average person is not going to resist that track. Now, there may be those who say, I don't need it. Or they'll say something like this. You ever heard this? I'm good. <laughs> so I don't need the track. I'm good. And then we say, well, give it to somebody else who's not so good. You know, maybe somebody else can use the track. You're trying to disperse the track. You're not supposed to keep the track in your pocket. You're not supposed to keep the track in your purse. You want to get that out. And uh, I, I don't know if that, You want to share your testimony about being witness to Santa Claus? You want to do it? Bring me a microphone so they pick her up. Somebody come get a microphone. Everybody's sitting in the back. So. There you go, Drew. Give that to Nancy. She told somebody this week something. I didn't know altogether about her entire life. I should have been more prepared enough, but I didn't put her on the spot. But she told it to me, she was all excited about this. All right, Miss Pauley. I was saved when I was uh, nine years old <coughs> uh, for revival in Wilkes County. Um, I just want to make that clear right up front. <laughs> and uh, I yielded my life to the Lord when I was 18 years old. One night I couldn't go to sleep. And uh, I had some things in my life probably that didn't please the Lord. And my mom heard me, came in the bedroom, shut the door. And uh, met her at a time of prayer. And uh, then from then on, I went to college and met him. That's okay. right. Amen. Amen. Just like Dad said, he sent me for a Christian education. And look what I came home with. <laughs> but, right. But in, in all of my years, raised in church, raised in a Christian home, not one person has ever witnessed to me anywhere. There has never been one person that knocked on my mom and dad's door where Miss Carol over there living. Uh, I don't ever remember anybody. Even in the parsonage at Ben Avenue, nobody. And so lately, the Lord laid it on my heart to 
to give out more tracts and to try to witness in the Walmart, the little store, not Walmart, the store, the little country store is my favorite place. Uh, I met some good people there, but I went to pick up the turkey breast for the ladies' auxiliary Monday night at the one of the country stores there in Mooresville. And when I pulled up, Santa Claus was there in a little red convertible. I mean, a real-looking Santa Claus. Everything. You, he could have passed, you know. And I said, how are you doing today? And he said, good. And I had already pulled out of track, so I thought when I go in there, you know. And he said, well, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing good. He said, I want to ask you a question. I said, yes, sir. He said, if you died right now, do you know where you'd go? I was so shocked. I said, I'd go to heaven, sir. He said, you sure? I said, yes, sir, I'm very sure. I said, how about you? And I said, since you asked me that, I'm pretty sure that's true of you. He said, yes, ma'am, it is. And uh, he said, I just wanted to make sure he was. So anyway, I went on in the store and talked to some people, and I was kind of watching him, you know. I thought, okay, who is this guy? And he was talking to the meat man, and then he was giving out tracts. And so today, I found out who he was and where he went to church. And my friend Marsha said he uh, was saved about the same time she was, that somebody in their ch that church witnessed to them. And both of them got saved on that Amen. Sunday. And she told me his name and everything. And I said, he was so nice. And she said, he's the nicest person you'll ever know, Nancy. And I just, I was shocked, honest. I really thought, oh, this something's wrong here. Because nobody had ever done that all my years. And I won't, you know how old I am, so I don't need to tell you. Nobody has ever given me a track or anything. And so I came home, and I was all excited, you know. I was going to try to find out who he was, where he went to church, you know, and all this. And I told her, I said, I believe this. In all my years, Santa Claus witnessed to me. <laughs> Well, let's, let's hear it for Sandy. Even though we don't believe Santa Claus is real, God can use that which is not real to make it real if he wants to. But anyhow, Santa Claus. You ever heard that sermon about the comparison between God and Santa Claus? Santa Claus, he's been everywhere. He knows if you've been naughty or nice. He knows all that. It's sort of like comparison to God, isn't it? He knows when you've been good or bad. And we sing those songs sometimes as kids giving credence to Santa Claus for being having qualities of God. He, 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 he goes everywhere. He flies all over the world. And, and I know it's imagination. I know it's a magical world. But sometimes kids get more caught up in Santa Claus than they do the God of creation. And uh, I don't want to bow to him. I don't want to, and, and I trust this guy saved and I sound like he is. Well, let me ask the question. How many of you have had somebody knock on your door where you live to witness to you and give you a track or witness to you. Raise your hand. Several of you. One, two, three, four. Okay, four of you. How many of you have ever had somebody on the street just approach you and say, could I talk to you? Oh, several of you. Three or four of you. How many have never had anybody to come to your house? You know, the only people come to my house that have come to witness to me has been the JW boys. 
Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons. They come pretty faithful to knock on doors. But most of us have not had anybody come to our house. Dr. Jack Van Empey, who's dead now, years, years ago when he was preaching across the country, he said it is a shame that the Jehovah's Witnesses work so hard to save from so little, and we work so easy to save from so much. Because they believe you just burn up if you're not a true believer or a Jehovah's Witness, you just burn up and go out of existence. He said they work hard telling that across the country, around the world. And yet we don't tell, we don't take the message that is real to a world. And I know all of us can do better, including this preacher, but all of us ought to be more faithful to witness for the cause of Christ. That's one of the signs that you're full of the Holy Spirit. You say, preacher, I don't witness. If I say that, then I'm not full of the Holy Spirit. And I'm, that's why it has to be a day-by-day thing. You live your life, get up to the Lord. I yield myself to you. Help me cross the path that you would cross if you were here today because I'm representing you and you're, you're the one I'm supposed to speak about. And you'd be amazed sometimes how God puts people in your path. Uh, it's amazing. Sometimes people you meet along the way that you didn't expect to meet that day, but you get to meet them. So, anyhow, born again, the new creature, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, 17. That's the first thing about relationship. You become a child of God. He enters in, you enter into the family of God. And every believer not only has been saved and, and filled with the Holy Spirit, he has the witness of the Holy Spirit. So let's turn to Romans 8, verse 16. I could have got my readers again tonight and think about it. Book of Romans chapter 8, and verse 16. Let's read a verse of scripture there in one of Ephesians about every believer is assured by the Holy Spirit that they're saved. Romans chapter 8. It comes right after Romans chapter 7. Chapter 8, verse 16. For, talked about Abba Father in verse 15. The Spirit, capital S, itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He bears witness with us that we're children of God. I can't say He's my Savior unless God helps me say that. And it's got to be genuine. I could give a false profession, but He bears witness with me that I'm a child of God. One of the great things that help you in Christian life when you have doubts is you believe that God said what He meant meant what He said. And if you've done what God says, you can't make it any better. I mean, He's been, the plan of salvation is given to us in the Bible. And yet sometimes we want to add works to it. We got the idea in, in Baptist churches, as well as most churches, that you get saved and then you'd be pretty good to get to heaven. Now you won't say that, but that's what happens to it. Well, I know I'm not going to heaven because I haven't done a lot of good lot of good deeds or done a lot of good deeds that I was talking about Sunday morning. But it's not a matter of our righteousness, not a matter of our goodness. I yield myself to the Holy Spirit, Lord, make me a blessing. I've not always done that. You ever bypass somebody an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus? One of the best ways I've seen folks, and I've learned this from other folks, and you've probably been there too, is at a restaurant. One of the best places to witness is at a restaurant. And the lady's there taking your order, and, saying, and she, she gets the order. So before, we, before you leave, we're going to have prayer in just a moment. Is there anything we can pray for in your family? And the lady today, she said, she said, pray for my daughter. She's getting all out of sorts and doing nothing wrong, and she said, I'm, I'm trying to get her, I want her to be saved. She said, I'm a saved lady. She said, would you pray with me? So here you go, you're talking to a woman here in a restaurant who all of a sudden stops what she's doing because I think she's probably allowed to do that. I mean, she's talking to us. That's developing a good relationship with the customer. I wouldn't take all her time away. I mean, it wouldn't it be, be inappropriate for us to take her time away from her company. But the fact is, she was not ashamed to say, pray for me in this area. 
And you'll be surprised that the people who don't mind telling will pray for this or pray for that. And we don't do it enough. We get in the habit of just rushing through life. If they get to heaven, hooray. If they don't get to heaven, you know, I'm sad. But we never try to get folks saved. We just sort of drift along through life. And opportunities come more and more than we realize. So Romans 8, 16, inner assurance that every born-again person has been accepted in the Beloved. That's taught to us in the book of Ephesians. I've been accepted in the Beloved. I'm accepted in Christ. How God looks at me and accepts me is not because of me. It's because of He. Because of Jesus Christ. I've been accepted in the Beloved. I'm in Christ. God accepts me because I'm in Christ. Not only is Christ, am I in Christ, He's in me. I'm in Christ, he's in Christ, he's in me, and I am Christ. And that relationship is so important and valuable in our Christian life. The witness of the Spirit, sweet Holy Spirit, who said, I will teach you all things whatsoever he's commanded you. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is to convict, to convert, is to help us in our Christian walk. Uh, book of John 16, 17, the great intercessory prayer of the Lord Jesus in chapter 17 of the book of John. But we come to this place in our life that we come to realize the Holy Spirit dwells in my body. Now, I've got about five minutes, I'm going to quit. But if you, you and I can get a hold of this, when we get up in the morning, as soon as we do, and become conscious, some don't get conscious for a while. It takes a cup of coffee to get you conscious. But once you get to thinking, Nancy pops up, she's ready to go. You've got to drag me out of bed. So, you know, if I'm getting up at 6.30, I get to get out of bed. She's already ready to go, full of energy. It takes me a little while i got to shave and look at myself in the mirror and say, wow, look what I see here today, and get woke up. But you may be one of those kind of persons that can go immediately when you get up or it may take you a while dragging around to get going. But as soon as you're conscious enough, and that's what Dr. Isles used to teach us, the best place to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit is when you wake up, stretch in the bed. You stretch every bone, every muscle, just stretch. I say, Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you the best way I know how. Help me to see those folks that I would see. If you were here today, help me to cross the path of those you would cross. If you were here today, Holy Spirit, I give you my body. It is the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. Thank you. And then gets up. So the first person he talks to before he gets out of bed is the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm simply leaving this with you because I need more of this myself. It's to remind us of who we are. We've been accepted, beloved. We're children of the Most High God. We have a Heavenly Father who loves us dearly and supremely and wants to talk to us regularly. I like to talk to my kids. You like to talk to your kids. Don't you think the Holy God of Heaven wants to talk to His kids? He wants to talk to us. But remember, prayer is a two-way street. And then the Word of God is Him talking to us and praying is us talking to Him. But that needs to be there when we talk to God the Father and yield ourselves to Him the best way we know how. Every believer has the witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside. Now, sometimes you may doubt your salvation. That's when you've got to go back again. You can't, be, you can't continue to be saved, saved, saved over and over again. I got a book. I got. Excuse me. I've got a book I'm reading now. It's by a Southern Baptist preacher. He says, I asked Jesus Christ to come to my heart at least a dozen times. And he says, I just kept asking him and asking him. And he says, Then I he says, Well, I got saved again, so when he get baptized, he says, I was baptized six times. He said, I thought I had to do it over and over. He said, I couldn't get this thing in my life. He come into my heart to live. So as soon as I, get, I go off to camp and get a conviction, he said, I come back home. I was, something wasn't right. So I said, God, save me again. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Well, the Bible doesn't even say come into your heart. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
reception of the Lord Jesus. Now I know the heart's involved, but he said it just confused him as a young man. We got to be a teenager. He says, I honestly have been, I've been, I've asked the Lord to come to my heart a dozen times. And I've talked to folks who really recently got saved. And they got saved and they talked to the Lord. I talked to the Lord last night. I asked him to come into my heart again. One time, I was born the first time, May the 17th, 1946. When I was born again, I can only be born again one time. I can't keep being born again, born again, born again, born again, born again. After a while, something don't, don't register right. But the fact is, the Holy Spirit's there to bear witness with us. And I'm through. Every witness, every believer is sealed by the Holy Spirit. That is the guarantee, the earnest, the down payment that you're going to be going to heaven. You are assured by the Holy Spirit, sealed until the day of redemption of your body. What a, what a thought. That I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. I'm a part of the family of God. I'm a child of God. I'm on my way to heaven. And I ought not to forget that. So the sooner I can get back to remembering, Lord, I'm yours. And you're here for one purpose. And one purpose, I'm here. And that's, Lord, to bring glory to you. That's it. Revelation 4.11, for all things are made for His glory. I was made for His glory. I don't know how much glory it gets out of my life, but I sure want to please my Father more and more as I get older. And as you live your life, just say, Lord, I want to please you. And then you don't have to get up and tell everybody about it. You don't have to brag about it. You just live your life and see what God does in your life. And we may see unusual things begin to happen when all of us make touch and, and let Him be not only the resident, but be the president or the sovereign God. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, Master and Lord, Savior, and the Anointed One, the Messiah. He's our wonderful God. Hallelujah. I just think, hallelujah for the Lord. Amen. I think somewhere just say amen for God. Amen. amen. Just say amen for God once in a while. Then you can say amen for God the Father. Amen. 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 God. They say amen for God the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then amen for God the Holy God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Amen. That breaks up the Trinity. And I close. This is, I promise. I may have told it already. Fred and I went to hear John L. Rice preach. I think Wayne Marlowe went down in Columbia, South Carolina, many years ago. I don't know if it was in a bus conference, whatever it was, Fred, but we heard John L. Rice preach. John L. Rice used to be the editor of the Sword of the Lord that's out of the, out of the hall. Started in 1937 or something. Continues to this day. But uh, he was an unusual guy. But he preached, when he preached, he, he preached with his like this. He get his eyes down his nose. It looked like, like that. And he said, he's talking about prayer. And he said, uh, you know, sometimes I get to pray and I say, God the Father, I'm talking to you. I want to talk to you all. And he said, sometimes I say, dear Holy Spirit, I want to talk to you. And he says, sometimes I'm praying. I say, dear Jesus, I want, to, I want to talk to you for a few minutes. And somebody said, don't you know you're supposed to talk to the Father through the, through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus? You can't pray to one. You've got to pray to the Father. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You can't pray the other way. You've got to pray to the Father. <laughs> and John O'Reilly, in his own way, he said, well, I tell you, I've been in the family a long time. So sometimes I call him Father, sometimes I call him Jesus, and sometimes I call him the Holy Ghost. He hears me because I'm in the family. Well, if you're in the family, just call him. If you want to call him Jesus, oh, Jesus, help me. Or Holy Spirit, help me. Or God the Father, help me. And I know you doctrinal points that you, you could bring in the picture. But I don't think God's going to get upset if you miss label something as long as you're talking to the God of heaven. Amen. Let's stand together.